Thank you, Daniel. Appreciate you filling in during this time. And, uh, I, I did forget an announcement. I'm on the second Sunday night of January. I'm going to do a trumpet concert, and uh, we're going to see if I can get my chops in shape to do that. And then, uh, uh, as I told you, I could do one song pretty easily, but after that, it, I have to work my way up. <laughs> so, so anyway, so that's just uh, something that, that we can kind of look forward to. Uh, Sunday night will be a little bit different. And um, tonight we're in Luke chapter 1, beginning of verse 39. We're going to talk a little bit about Mary. We have to remember that Mary is not someone to be worshipped. <laughs> she is, but she is the mother of Jesus, and she has a lot to teach us, and I think we have some things we can learn from her and, um, and what brought her joy. So um, beginning in verse um, 39 of the first chapter of Luke, if, you, if you're able to stand, we'll, we'll read God's word. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is he who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of this servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped the servant Israel, remembering, he has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. We talked this morning a little bit about joy and about happiness and how it's not joy is not the same as happiness. And, and joy is something way deeper than happiness. And, and just it's, it's just more to it. It's, um, it's bigger. You, sometimes we, we get too stressed to find joy. We're too stressed to do anything. We, we kind of, it, it, so how does it fit into our lives as we move in from 2021 to 2022? You know, think about it. We're we're here. I mean, 2022 is fixing to start, not in just a few weeks. We know that joy comes from within. We know that usually happiness is that thing. Is usually from a thing or from a person. You know, all those kind of things that we talked about. But there's more to it than that. And and see, joy is really that inner relationship of Christ, with Christ. That that what that He brings. We, you know, the scripture even tells us, count it all joy when you face various trials. <laughs> you were usually not happy about trials. At least I'm not. I, I don't like them. 
you know. But we also, it's interesting how you can find joy even in the midst of those trials. That you can find things that you know will grow. And it brings, so many things bring us happiness, but pure joy comes from somewhere else. The Holy Spirit will bring us that joy. The Holy Spirit. What happened to um, Elizabeth? The Holy Spirit came upon her just knowing she was in the presence of the Messiah that wasn't even born yet. Now, I could jump off on a whole new tirade of um, how, um, when is a child viable in the womb. You know, we could get on the, the abortion issues and all those things about where they say, well, it's not really, a, it's just a fetus until this. Well, we know that, that they sensed this child was probably around three months pregnant at that time. And this child that was probably about three months ahead, John, we know, the Baptist, we call him, was obviously leaping for joy in the womb right then and there. Mary was so filled with the joy at that thought that she was going to have the Christ child. Now, I'm sure she wasn't happy about some of the stuff she was going through. Because, <laughs> you know, like we've talked about it's the, the ridicule, the, eye, the, the looks, the, all those things that she was dealing with. She's gone to visit Elizabeth, who is probably her cousin. That's kind of the, the main thought. She was a relative. We don't know the exact one, but probably a cousin. We also know that Elizabeth was what? Advanced in years. She wasn't supposed to have a child at that age, yet she was. Her husband, Zechariah, was not speaking in these days because he didn't believe this could happen, and so God showed him. So he got to keep silent for a while. I can't imagine what all that was like. And so Elizabeth is sitting there looking at this. We talked, Mary was probably between 12 and 16, we guess around 14. You know, we, we kind of divide it in the middle. Who knows what it really, how old she really was? But we know she was very young. With the Elizabeth, who was much older. So she's come to visit, this, probably hoping to get some sense of help, <laughs> some sense of normalcy, whatever it may be. But she knew that um, Mary had been going around trying to explain all these things. Did the clip come up? Did, were you able to do it or no? Well, you, you want to give it a shot or do we not want to try? If you don't, say no. Don't get my symphony of downright nasty, not niceness. The crescendo of my odious opus. Oh, the wailing and the gnashing of teeth. The bellowing of the bitterly bummed out. It'll be like music to my ears. Then the Grinch heard a sound rising over the snow. It started in low, then it started to grow. Huh? Huh? But the sound wasn't sad. Why, this sounded merry. But it was merry. Very. Every who down in Whoville, the tall and the small, was singing without any presence at all. <laughs> 
hadn't stopped Christmas from coming, it came. Somehow or other, it came just the same. Grinch, with his Grinch feet, ice cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling. How could it be so? It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. And he puzzled and puzzled till his puzzler was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas. He thought. Doesn't come from a star. Maybe Christmas. What happened then? Well, in Whoville, they say that the Grinch's small heart grew three sizes that day. <laughs> Obviously not a Christian movie, but it is a, something we can learn. No, it doesn't come, joy does not come from a store. Christmas isn't the, the meaning of Christmas does not come from a store and from stuff. He thought if he stole all their stuff, it would steal all their joy. And they sang anyway. They sang anyway. We sing anyway. Even though the Grinch, the world we live in today, steals everything they can and tries to take all that we know... My wife and I were sitting the other day, we were just talking, and we were, we were saying, my brother's here, and he likes to talk all the stuff that's going on, and he knows probably more about it, he watches more about it than I do, and, he, and, we, and we lamented about the fact that we never thought in America we would see some of the stuff that's going on today. We never dreamed that our rights and our, the things that we had and what we took for granted would be gone. And yet they've been slowly chipped away at and they've take, been taken away from us. All kinds of things. From whatever your feelings are on any of it, it's just the sacredness of a family. Who would have thought that we would go around in a world that can't decide if they're boys or girls? 
Who would have thought that we in America would go through that kind of stuff? Who would have thought that we in America would have to worry about somebody eavesdropping on us or, or, or looking down on us because of our beliefs? Yet that's happening every day to all of us. Little by little, we've had things taken away from us. And with that, who would have thought that that would have happened to us? But you see, our joy comes from a different place. We can't rest in the fact that government's going to take care of us. Because we know that they can't. Oh, they say they will. They want to be our safety net. They want to be all those things. But we know that that's not the way. We find ourselves in times right now stressing over so many things between politics, between sports, between what's going to happen next with, with whatever. I mean, are we going to have stuff on the shelves? Who would have thought we would have empty shelves in America? Yet here we are. Can't get certain things. We run out. I remember when... Not America, we're never going to do that. We have grocery stores the size of all outdoors that, that are huge, that can carry everything under the sun. We had a, a family come from Russia uh, back in the late 80s, and they came and our church kind of adopted them and set them up with a home and did all those things with them. And the first place they took them was a place called Cub Foods. I don't know if you remember Cub Foods. It made Sam's look small, I think, and it had everything under the sun, and they were just overwhelmed because they didn't know what that, what, what, what is all this stuff? We can choose all this stuff? How, how is that possible? Because they were not used to having that, yet we find ourselves getting to the same place. We find ourselves in the same one. Worry about things that we can't get. Worry about the government that's trying to take over, and it tries to sap our joy. It's the Grinch that stole our Christmas. And that's where we are, aren't we? We have a Grinch trying to steal our Christmas. <laughs> but guess what? We can't keep putting the emphasis on the wrong thing. When we put the emphasis on the right thing, it's different. We can change. In our scripture passage, Mary went to see Elizabeth. She's gone there. She's trying to find out she wants to understand a little bit more about this child she's having. She wanted to get some sage advice, I'm sure. And we know that John's going to be a few months older, but yet started his ministry much before Jesus came along. Why? Because he was foretelling that Jesus was coming. John knew before he was born that Jesus was coming. That is hard for any of us to wrap our heads around. But yet, that's exactly what happened. So there he is. He is going, he was going to begin his ministry before Jesus. And think of the joy that that brought his priestly father. His dad was priest. Think about that. Talk about it. Proud of your son as he was. Now, he also knew that his son was going to go through some rough, terrible times. Elizabeth knew exactly what was going on. Mary knew exactly what was going on. That inner joy started coming out. There it was. And then we have what we call Mary's Magnificat. 
They've written songs about it. We call it Mary's Song. This teenage girl said these things. She celebrates that true joy of what God is doing in her life. All of a sudden, she looks beyond all the circumstances that she is going through. She looked way beyond all the junk that was going on in her life. She looked way beyond all the looks, all the, the comments, all, all of it. Because you know she heard the little snide comments, you know. Yeah, what's up with this? So here she goes. My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. She realizes God's blessed her and thought highly of her. This young girl, a blessing from God, she understands it. Folks, to be chosen to do something like that, had to be humbling, obviously. Had to be daunting. I can't fathom that kind of responsibility. Yet here she comes out with this, you know, I'm in a tough time. I'm in a place that most people are, are trying, would, would run away from or go into at least hiding. I would have. I'd have gone hide somewhere. And she's saying, no. This is a good thing. It's happened. And now on, all the generations will call her blessed. She goes, I am going to get recognized for this, and I had nothing to do with it. Let's face it. God chose her. God chooses us, too. See, we, because we're not carrying the Messiah, or we're not doing part of that, we think, well, we don't have that big a... Folks, we're supposed to carry on what he has accomplished for us. We're supposed to let the world know. We're supposed to keep his memory going. We're supposed to keep the story going to our children and our grandchildren and all those around us. That's our job. That's what we're called to do. And he's called us to do it. And yet we think, well, but we're not Mary. No, we're older and wiser. Or should be. But are we? She sees this for what it really is. And the people of Israel, not her personally, were also going to be blessed. She mentions that as she goes down the list of from now on. Um, his mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He's performed mighty deeds with his arm and scattered those who are proud in their image. He has all this going for it. She's talking about all of this all the way. He is brought down rulers from their thrones. In other words, <laughs> yeah, they may think they're ruling, but they're not. Herod thought he was in charge, didn't he? So much so, he was going to kill the babies. All the babies that were Jesus' age. But God says, yeah, I've got other things in store. And sends them off. That's the God we serve. So, where does all this fit in with us, within our lives? You see, Jesus did not come for just the people of Israel. We like to think it's that way. We read this and it says, 
you know, he has helped the servant Israel, remember to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. So she has rattled off all this about what he's done for Israel, and guess what? He's done more than that. He came for us to give us joy. He came to save us from ourselves. Folks, <laughs> we get in trouble enough with other people, but usually it's ourselves that get us in the most trouble. We put ourselves in situations we should not be in. I've caught myself in places, what am I doing? What are you doing here? What, what are you thinking? Because I get myself in way more trouble than other people have ever gotten me in. Now, I granted, if I hung around with certain people, I was going to always get in trouble. I knew it. There were certain people, if I, if I hung out with them, that was going to be it. I was going to be in trouble. Because they would lead me, and I'd follow right along willingly. But I find ourselves... We need to be saved from ourselves. And Jesus came to save us from ourselves. He came to save us from our sin. He came to save us from all the stress in life. And yet we keep piling more of it on. Come on, we, let's face it, we do. He didn't pile the stress on, we do. We find ways to be stressed out. I think we need to look for it sometimes. I, I really do. What, what do you mean by that? Well, what I mean by that is, we overextend ourselves, we push ourselves, we expect things from other people that we know ain't going to happen. We think this, how do you think we let the government get to where it is? We let them, thinking, oh, they'll take care of that so we don't have to deal with it. Let's face it, church, we should be the safety net. The church should be the safety net for the people. It shouldn't be the government, but we, the government's done that, so the church is going to say, well, you're going to have it. That's, no, that's too hard. He came so that we could have life and have it abundantly. Um, a great theologian by the name of Mark Lowry, most of you know who I'm talking about, has said that life, God came to, came to give us life and give it more abundantly. And his way of abundantly was, all the bad stuff too. You know, taxes, uh, burdens, working overtime, having to do this, those things. That's part of abundant life. A lot of it. We're going to have life in abundantly. Life is more than just the good stuff. We always think of abundant life as the good stuff. Right? Well, life is not just all good stuff. Have y'all noticed that yet or not? I don't know. Maybe it's not happened to some of y'all. But we find out sometimes life isn't always just good stuff. It's hard stuff. It's stuff that we don't really want to deal with. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff I really don't want to deal with. I, you know, I, um, being a pastor, you, you're, you're in your office and you get that guy that comes in the door that's always needing something help. Usually big money. Or some bailed out of something that he's gotten himself into or she's gotten herself into. Those people are always popping in the office. And you're going, I don't want to deal with that. Oh, Lord, just let somebody else take care of that. But no, we're called to what? Do that. Take care of those things. Those things happen. And people deal with life. And when they have to deal with life, it's abundant. And it's a lot of it. And sometimes it's a lot of junk. Joy comes when things aren't going well. 
Sometimes things don't go well. <laughs> I, I've been right back in about the middle of a cantata one time, and it's just not going together. You know, it's just, oh, no, we're not on time. We're on the wrong pitch. We're on this. You know, what's going to happen now? How are we going to do that? And God, but we find joy anyway. You see, no matter what, joy will pull us through. <laughs> it really will. I don't understand how Mary could write this or say this, going through what she was going through. I look at that and go, wow. She was praising God no matter what. It's hard to praise God no matter what. It's easy to praise God when things are going great. That's when it's easy to praise God. Wow, this is awesome. You come to it church full of people and everybody's excited about being there and they're all what you gonna say this morning that's fun that's a lot of fun to walk in and nobody shows up which is the preacher's nightmares you know are there anybody gonna show I, I i think almost every sunday i go is anybody even gonna come you know are they gonna show up and then this church <clears throat> which you all show up about five minutes till whatever's gonna happen you know they all show up right then and i'm like are they kind of show up? I'm, I'm at 10 minutes till I'm going, Steve and I are standing here going, well, it's going to be us tonight. Or, or, you know, or, you know, Wednesday night, Rip and I are here going, okay, is anybody coming tonight? And then five minutes later, poof, they're all here. You know, it's not like, I think y'all send memos to one another. I'm not sure. <laughs> but you see what I'm saying? It's easy to praise God when things are going well. It's a lot more difficult to praise God when everything seems to be falling apart. Um, the, um, another very spiritual movie called The Replacements, I don't know if you've ever seen that or not, my, it's one of my wife's favorite movies, it's a, it's a football movie. And, and they, they talked about what, you know, what do you fear, what, is your, what are your biggest fears? And of course one of the guys is talking about spiders and snakes and that kind of stuff. He goes, no, beyond that, and, and the, and the lead of the mo movie says, quicksand. He goes, what do you mean quicksand? He says, well, you know, one thing goes wrong, and then another goes wrong, and then another goes wrong. The next thing you know, you're in quicksand. You can't get out. And that's how our life is. One thing goes wrong, and then another thing goes wrong, and then another thing goes wrong, and all of a sudden you feel like you're up to here in quicksand. You go, I can't get out. What do I do now? We find our joy. That's what we do now. We find the only hope we have, and that's in Christ. We go, all right, Lord, I'm up to my neck here. I don't know what to do. I can't tell you the number of times I've sat in my office, hands in my head, on my head going, Lord, I don't see a way out of this. I, I don't see any way that this is going to happen. You are going to have to do something miraculous, or it's not going to happen. And he does something miraculous, and it happens. But he has to get me to that breaking point to where I just have to go, I can't do it on my own anymore. I'm done. I'm over. I'm lost. I can't handle it. Lord, it's got to be you or anything going to happen. I kind of wonder if that's not what Mary was thinking when she says, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of his, the humble estate of his servant. 
here I am in this humble estate. I'm expecting a child. I'm scared to death. But Lord, you got me. I'm in your hands. That's the God we serve. That's what we can live for. That's where we find our joy. That hope that only he can bring. That love that he shows us. That joy he brings us. And the peace he gives us is the Christ. The Christ that God sent for you and for me. What a mighty God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, right now, many times we just feel like we're overwhelmed. We're up to our necks. We don't have any way out. We don't see a way out. But you do. We trust you to take care of it. We put our lives in your hands. We put all of who we are into your hands and ask for you to give us the joy that we need. You are our hope. You love us so much. You bring us peace. What a glorious God you are. We praise you. We worship you. We thank you. We lift your name high. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. It's our time of invitation.